You're listening to DraftKings Network. Lord Darth Amin. I'm joined as always by my apprentice, Darth Corn Puzzle, aka Anthony Mays. This is the Rule of Two podcast where we review all things Star Wars, and we've been reviewing the new series Ahsoka. We missed prior episodes where we did a preview a few weeks ago. We reviewed episodes one and two. Last week we did episode three. Today, Mays, we have Episode four, Fallen Jedi. Oh, love an ambiguous title like this. I mean, mm-hmm. could be literally anybody. Including, spoiler alert, Ahsoka, who at one point falls. <gasps> and she was a Jedi, so she's a fallen Jedi. Literally. Before we get to the review of the episode, Maze, I do want to point out that remember in the credits of episode one we saw additional voices and we saw a credit for sam whitworth yeah we talked about this last week found out what that credit was for what was it in the scene where we first see ahsoka down in the night sisters temple and she's touching the pillar the voice of maul is in the background Mm. and it is his voice from the rebels episode the episode where he dies where he's asking Obi-Wan, is it true? Is he the chosen one? That That's the line that's being said. Interesting. That's what the Sam Witwer credit was for. And that's because it's a Night Sister Temple. Yes. Dathomir related. And of course, Darth Maul is a Knight Brother from Dathomir. Knight Brother. You're my Knight Brother, I mean. Yeah, thank you. Start of the episode, we see... Hu Yang repairing the ship, welders shit and going on or whatever. Sabine gets on the comms and tries to contact Home One, tries to contact Hera. Home One, of course, is that capital ship that was Admiral Akbar's ship. That's the one where all the meetings happen and Return of the Jedi, etc. But the comms are all jammed, Maze. Mm. While she's communicating, she's identifying herself and her craft as Fulcrum. That was Ahsoka's code name in star wars rebels so i guess she just kept it i don't know i think that came up in i want to say episode two she gets on the radio and is referred to as fulcrum once again she comes outside to update ahsoka uh, ahsoka crosses her arms oh man every time she does it i'm thinking like you know what i'm gonna track it but then as the episode goes on i forget because i get into the story yeah ahsoka is worried because the enemy has the map and the means to get to where they want to go And she starts talking about, we don't have the map. Maybe the prudent thing is to destroy the map and everything to make sure that Thrawn never gets back. 
Sabine, on the other hand, mm. she's not with it. So Ahsoka says, I feel we face a difficult choice. If we can't make the journey to find Ezra, then no one should. Sabine is worried that Ezra might get stranded forever if they do that. But Maze, this is a critical point. As Ahsoka says, we got to do what's right. Are you in this? Sabine, can I count on you? And Sabine says, yeah. You know you can. But not very convincingly. This is all interesting because it ties back to the concept of the Jedi and abandoning of attachment. And how attachment can make you make decisions that are not in the best interest of the collective. And specifically, if you think about Ezra's hologram voicemail that he left her. Right. He used the same exact language. I mean, he said, I'm counting on you to see this through. So she's got two people very close to her counting on her to do opposite things. She's in the middle of this tug of war. Oh, no. Is that how you interpret it? Oh, yeah. I interpret it as Ezra saying, like, when you're a Jedi, you don't get to have attachments. You got to make these tough decisions. Oh, no. I'm going the opposite direction because I feel like he's trusting her to do what needs to be done. To get him back, you mean? And she interpreted as bring him home. Oh, I thought he just meant like do the right thing. No. Okay. It's not a Spike Lee joint. Do you think she's interpreting it wrong? Or do you think that's what Ezra was telling her? Like, yo, by the way, I got to do this, but mother, you better get me back. The writing is to put her in the middle, I feel like. I don't think that Ezra had any intention there. You don't think that... <laughs> He's going to get there. Ezra's like, what are you doing here? God damn it. I told you explicitly not to come. I built my whole life around this. If you're not first, you're last. You could be second. You could be third. Hell, you could be fourth. (sighs) Meanwhile, Balin's guards have found the ship. Tells them to go, but like kind of approach cautiously. Morgan Elsbeth says, is that a note of fear in your voice? Mm. And Balin says, experience as he gulps. And Mace, let me just say right now, Ray Stevenson ass all the way off this was an amazing episode for him oh it's an amazing episode overall it's the best episode of this series so far but he really shined in this episode oh dude at the end of the episode i was like ah shit the guy's dead yeah ray stevenson's dead r.i.p i hope they milk everything out of him in this series there's another conversation between Sabine and Ahsoka about sometimes we have to do what's right regardless of our personal feelings. Mm -hmm. And Sabine says, do you really believe that? What do you know about personal feelings, Ahsoka? Ahsoka says when the stakes are this high, I have to. This is hammering home the point that personal loss is outweighed by greater good. And also what's hammered home is that Sabine is not of this (laughs) belief or this life philosophy she's a mandalorian you gotta always remember that i think when you're talking about sabine in the day she's a mandalorian they are a very stubborn warlike people for a reason there's a reason why there's only been one mandalorian jedi right tar Vizsla, who's the one who created the dark saber meanwhile balan's guards jump hu yang Yo. and we get a little rock'em sock'em robots maze same note too great fight two droids throwing down hu yang holding it down with his general grievous arms like you were talking about those things popped out of his back like he was spider-man in the iron spider suit and started punching the shit out of the other robot and the robot punching him back and all this shit and then he shorts out the ship which is a pretty effective way to warn Ahsoka and Sabine that something's going down outside. 
Ahsoka and Sabine come out real nonchalant, see that there's some shit going down, they start fighting. I did not like this lightsaber fight at all. Oh. I thought Ahsoka was moving especially slow. I am not trying to ding her too hard, but Rosario is not quite as sharp as I want her to be. Yes. I think she's actually, for someone who's, I'm assuming, not an expert swordsman. Yeah. She's actually leaps and bounds. To me, you have to help the actor in the way you shoot it. Yeah. And also the way you write it. And I don't think they did her any favors having her do this kind of like, uh, uh, the turn spin, uh, uh. I would have liked to see her maybe use the force more to not have to engage so much. Now, it's funny because this scene is like this. And then a little bit later, I'm like, okay, see, this is shot a lot better. I thought this was kind of like that picture of Wade tossing the alley-oop to LeBron. That's what this little quick taking out the HK droids felt like to me. Yeah. But I agree that it might have been a little clunky in the way they put it together. So Ahsoka and Sabine say, hey, we got to go stop these guys right now. Hu Yang leaves them with one piece of advice. Stay together. You always did better that way. And then he asked them to christen the SS live forever. Is it the SS stay together in this episode? There you go, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We cut to Hera on home one, and she's basically calling the Jin Erso audible, saying, you know what? You guys aren't going to give me the supplies. I'm just going to do this shit on my own. Mm -hmm. She gets a squadron, or not a squadron, just like four or five X-Wing pilots, and they go. It's our guy, Captain Carson Teva who's showing up all over the place, Paul Sun Hyung Lee. And so this does call into question a little bit the chronology of where this Ahsoka show is with the Mandalorian. I'm guessing this is after Mandalorian, right? Season three? Okay, so it seemed like this would be before the most recent season of Mando, Mm -hmm. but it's bizarre that Carson Teva doesn't talk to Colonel Tuttle about the huge hyperspace Eye of Scion. That's why I took it to be after Mandalorian season three, because the fact that they're disobeying orders, I mean, this is a pretty big deal. I know Hera's like, I'm a general, watch me and all that cool shit. But like, the reality is that's not a small thing that they're doing this. They're going rogue in essence. And so I took it as Carson Tiva saying, look, I tried it the right way, Mm -hmm. complained and I put it into Colonel Tuttle and all that stuff. They're not listening. So now I have a general who's willing to take action. I'm going to ride with her on this one, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Maze, when we get the cockpit of the ghost, Mm -hmm. if you pause and zoom in, in the dash, there is a photograph, Kanan Jarrus. Oh, is it Freddy? Well, it's not because it's very fuzzy. Like when you zoom in, it's fuzzy, not well lit. Is it Freddy? Is it kind of like a... A rendering of the animation? Yeah. But a human? It's not clear. Were you disappointed that Zeb Aurelius was not in this squadron? Did this seem like an entry point for him? No, because I'm assuming he's going to pop up at some point. If he's not in the show at all, then I'm disappointed. Okay. You know, as we see later, they get picked up. So oh. like, they might need help. And like, if he shows up, yeah. then I'm cool with it. But yeah, that was, that was a nice little touch there. They didn't linger. They didn't zoom in on it. If you're watching for these Easter eggs, they're there. Kanan Jarrus, of course is the Jedi, the trained Ezra, who discovered Ezra. He was played by Freddie Prince Jr. on the show Star Wars Rebels. He was a love interest of Hera and the father of Jason Sindula, who is the annoying kid with the green hair. Baby daddy. 
We're back to Balin and Morgan at the star map. Morgan Elsbeth is using the Night Sisters witchcraft again. You can tell Maze not only by the green smoke, but also if you pump up the volume or listen with some noise canceling headphones, you can hear it because the Night Sister magic always sounds like people whispering. Classic. So they're doing that shit. Balin and Morgan are going back and forth, and she tells him to have faith. And he, with his ass nowhere in sight, yeah. looks up to the sky and says, Faith. I lost that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Damn. And then he looks at her as she's doing her thing, and he says, witchcraft. Witchcraft. <laughs> Which is still funny. Which was a little silly, but he crushed the delivery, so it worked for me. <laughs> it's the same thing as Shin in episode two or whatever it was. I love the idea that, like, there's something still about the Night Sisters of Dathomir. Yeah. People are like, yeah, I'm not so cool with this. This shit is kind of a little weird for me, if you ask me. So I do enjoy that. We're in the forest as Sabine and Ahsoka are fucking it for some reason. Yeah. I think they said it was 12 clicks. So they got to cover some ground, man. All right. Well, they're sprinting it. This is a, a sprint, not a marathon. Yeah. And then they run into Marek and Shin Hati in the forest. And we got a little 2v2 action maze. Yeah. We got a rematch of the episode one and episode two fights. They pair off. So it's Ahsoka versus Marok and then Shin versus Sabine. Sabine now is fully clad in Mandalorian armor with the helmet on, yep. and she goes full Mando, two guns, chasing after her. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Ahsoka and Marak are engaged in lightsaber battle. It's a lot better. It shot a lot better. I thought it was a lot more elegant. She looked quicker. It was shot in a way that made her look quicker. I enjoyed this battle. The best part, obviously, is Marak goes to the... Inquisitor tried and true. Spin and blade. Spin and blade. <laughs> you can never handle this one. And I don't know if you got these vibes, Maze, but it reminded me of Star Wars Rebels, the final duel between Obi-Wan and Maul on Tatooine, mm-hmm. where they're literally just standing there, staring each other down, and then someone makes a move and then kaput. Also, a little bit like Ahsoka versus the Inquisitor from Tales of the Jedi. Yeah, I watched that clip today to check it out Mm -hmm. this had a very classic samurai finish the one stroke the timing you know i watched it a couple of times to see how she got through the helicopter blades i'm not gonna worry about it too much but she just went right through it timed it perfectly got his ass that was what i wrote and then maroque green smoke starts seeping green smoke and it dissipates much like all of our theories and all the time we put into it last week. I mean, <laughs> that was a classic Dave Filoni tip of the cap. Yes, he definitely pulled a fast one on us. But Maze, I'm not disappointed because the explanation makes a lot more sense than anything else. So that's it. Maroc is not any of the people that we speculated. And that's great. But what is he now? That's the real question. Other than smoke. This is what I'm positing based off of Star Wars Fallen Order. Okay. In Fallen Order, when you go to Dathomir, there is a night sister there who is hell-bent on making your life hell. She resurrects dead night sisters and night brothers Mm -hmm. and sends them to attack you. And when you kill them, the green smoke comes out of them and all that stuff. So 
Yes, yeah, so that's the Night Sisters chant of resurrection is the specific incantation. Another theory that I saw, and it's in the same neighborhood, is that it's just a straight-up Night Brother. Because when Savage Opress dies in Clone Wars, he also lets off some green smoke. Well, it's not just a Night Brother, because Savage Opress was enhanced. Juiced up, yeah, like Bane. Yes, he was using PEDs, but in this case, the PEDs were night sister enhancing drugs or whatever spells so that's the enhancement spell leaving the dead carcass either way Maroc is pretty much not anybody not anybody i think we should know mm -hmm. which is fine i'm okay with that and the one thing about it is that it means that morgan is pretty damn powerful yeah but also the resurrected ones and fallen order they never talk it makes sense that he never talks or we got very little dialogue from Brock. But anyways, Morgan is saying she's about to go to the ship to prepare for the departure. Protect the map until I send for you. Mm -hmm. And that's when Ahsoka walks up real slow and cool on Balin. Balin's just chilling, man. Dude, we get some grade A banter here. Yeah. Goosebump, goosebump, goosebump. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Balin says, Anakin spoke very highly of you. And she says, interesting. He never mentioned yo ass. I'm like, oh, got him. Mm -hmm. And then Balin says. He's not done. Everyone in the Order knew Anakin Skywalker. Few would live to see what he became. That was in the trailer, so we knew he was going to say that. But then the part that they didn't have in the trailer is this son of a bitch says, yeah. surely that left a mark. Is that why you abandoned him? Walked away. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Hit her, uh -huh. hit her where it hurts. He's really good at locating people's emotional vulnerabilities she accuses him of trying to start a war he says i'm not starting a war but thrawn will it is an unfortunate evil that speaks to a greater truth one must destroy in order to create some real thanos vibes coming off this dude he talks about having power and she says i get it because she knows what he's after and we're going to find out what he's after at the end of the episode. It's the access to the world between worlds, I believe. Okay. I think that's what he wants out of this. Interesting. Yeah, I wasn't totally sure. I thought maybe he wanted Ezra. I thought maybe he wanted to bring Thrawn in as a disruptor so that he could establish some kind of like new order. Yeah. Maybe not a first order, but something. I think it's very detached from what that is. That's just me. Okay. Ahsoka ignites her lightsaber, and Balin says, how inevitable. Oh. And I was like, oh, this guy's got bars. He snapped on her. Oh, shit. Cut back to Sabine getting her ass kicked. Yep. Getting done up. But as she falls and her helmet falls off, she summons every little bit in her, and I love this scene. <laughs> it is great. Because she finally uses the force and force bit slaps Shinati. Okay, so this is my question. Mm -hmm. Did she actually force bitch slap Shin or did Shin just flinch and then realize that nothing hit her? No, I think she slapped because we hear that that rumbling sound. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure about that. So she did use a force. She did slap her, but you got to think about whenever anyone does force push, people are fucking flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Jedi Fallen Order and on Jedi Survivor, that's a great technique it's like i really don't feel like fighting anyone if you're standing on the edge of a cliff i literally just run up force push you and you're over the cliff and i'm done but sabine because she's weak it just manifests itself as a slap which is obviously disrespectful but also 
it allows Chinatina to be like, wait a second, you really are terrible at this. You have no power. But then I wrote, but she's a man though. As she pulls out the whistling birds, she drops her wrist, which I think was a great move, right? Because she got the palm up, yep. Jedi style. She drops the wrist, Mando style, go, go, gadget, whistling birds. And then Shin uses some Batman smoke bombs to make her exit. I was surprised that she didn't decide to keep fighting her. But again, as we've mentioned before, Sabine is an excellent fighter. At least she may not be strong in the force, but she'll still whoop yo ass. And on top of that, the first time they fought, it was just her and her regular street clothes. Now she's got the Mandalorian armor, the Beskar protects her from the lightsabers, and it's got all these tricks and tools and stuff. And I think it was new rock stars, but they brought up when Sabine was training in Rebels to be able to use the Darksaber, at one point, Kanan graduates her to sparring with Ezra. But he tells her, you have to just use swordsmanship. You don't get to use your tricks. But at some point, she's getting her ass kicked by Ezra, so she starts using all these things, the little grappling thing and the lasso that pulls the thing. And it's all these tools that Mandalorians developed to fight Jedi. They're anti-Jedi weaponry mm -hmm. to basically level the playing field. Friends, a lot has changed over the years, personally and across our airwaves. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. You know, for me personally, I recently bought a few six-packs of Miller Lite for my housewarming party, because that's one thing that's changed for me. I moved into a new house, and I brought some friends over, and we enjoyed the best light beer. Because Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Oh my gosh. Folks, gather around. Everyone gather around. Listen to these words. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers, listen to me, you bet just five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DAN. That's code DAN for new customers. And you get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. That's insane. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We cut back to Balin and Ahsoka, and they're fighting, and Balin drops another bar. Oh, man. He says, your legacy is just like your master's, one of death and destruction. This mother is so cold-blooded. Oh, my God, man. Sharpest tongue in the galaxy, Balin Skull. 
I'm watching this and I'm like, this might be one of my favorite fights just for the chatter. The banter is really good. I also like the part where she's trying to dance around him to get to the map. Yeah. I thought that was pretty well choreographed. She gets it and it burns the f out of her hand. Like my man from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. Where he picks up the amulet of the medallion and it burns in his palm. And I started thinking, wait, is she going to be able to do the map out of the burn mark in her hand? Oh. And I realized that's not how the maps work, asshole. No. But it was a nice little callback, I thought, to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. They keep fighting. She's a little weakened because of the hand situation, so she no longer has the upper hand. She has the burned hand. Shin Hati shows up, and Ahsoka sees Shin and... Immediately assumes the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Your punk ass got not a lot of faith. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, man, it's this for a good reason. Yeah. But Maze, did you catch this? I kind of feel like Ahsoka channeled the dark side right there, man. Yeah. When she ragged all of Shin against the rock, that's not a Jedi move for sure. Oh. But she's not a Jedi. She's not a Jedi, as we've established time and time again. That was definitely anger, passion, and attachment. The same thing that she preached against, but. She's attached, man. She cares about Sabine in a way mm -hmm. that compromised her Jedi training, that compromised her ability to remain calm and at one with the Force and seek peace with the Force and balance. She knocks Shinati out. That is definitely a concussion. She's definitely in protocol. Oh, boy. She was like two out there. The way her body slumped, I was like, damn. Oh, man. Come on. you telling me that Shin needs to learn how to fall? Well, I don't think she had much of a choice there. Yeah. Balin sees this, and Balin gets upset because he's not a Jedi anymore either. And he's like, yo, that's my apprentice. Slash internet rumors saying that might be his daughter. Interesting. Okay, why not? Sure. Yep. Poppy talk and all that. So Balin starts going ham on her with that heavy-ass sword. I mean, he's hacking and hacking that's something i hope they dig into a little bit more because i'm enjoying that the fact that both of them are fallen jedi are no longer jedi yep and it seems like balin has a little bit more loyalty to certain things than ahsoka does or maybe control right yeah at that moment he doesn't because he just hacks the hell out of her until she falls over the edge of the cliff he says it didn't need to come to this but you know no other way her and her master, death and destruction. That's all they're about. That's it. So Sabine shows up just in time to see. Amazing timing. Everyone shows up just in time for some other shit to happen. Uh -huh. So Sabine is crushed now. And Balin, yeah, I'm like, player, player, this dude's a pimp. He's hitting all the buttons telling her, I know how much you miss Ezra and you lost your family because Sabine's family, I guess this confirms, died in the night of a thousand tears. When the Empire sieged Mandalore, all of House Wren died. And so he says, your family died on Mandalore because your master didn't trust you. Yes. So not only is he playing on the heartstrings of, you want to see Ezra, you want to save Ezra, you want to save your friend. Also, Ahsoka, kind of a dick. Yeah. She let this happen. Now, this guy is John Mayer playing with the Grateful Dead. He is hitting all the right yep. notes and chords. And so this is alluding to the in-between times between Rebels and now, right? When they were off yes. as master and apprentice, when Sabine was a Padawan. So we don't know exactly what happened, but this is an insight into that. And did Balin read her mind? Is that what he did with the little force blink? Or read her emotions, kind of like Vader. He didn't read Luke's mind, but he could feel his emotions. 
for your sister? <laughs> so I think there's a similar thing happening there about Ezra, or maybe not him knowing that her family died on Mandalore. He kind of knew. Also, on the Ahsoka and Sabine tip. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, there you go. Tying in. So maybe we'll get some background on that. Maybe that's something for another day. Either way, he says, come with me willingly. Sabine, you will be reunited with your friend. It's the only way. Do it for Ezra. And as he's saying do it, I was thinking about do the dad. Do it now! Oddly enough, I wasn't thinking about Arnold, and I wasn't <laughs> thinking about Ben Stiller in Starsky and Hutch. Do it. I was thinking about the dad in Rhinestone. Oh, come on. Telling Stallone, do it. Do it. Yep. <laughs> if, you, if you need me. I'm glad that that reference has usurped other do-its in the culture for you. That's Definitely. really topical for everybody. I appreciate that. And so Sabine, who this whole time has been holding the map in her hand. At gunpoint. At first she had it up to him and he was like, come on. You see what I just did to your girl. And she's like, all right, I'm second thought. I'll just point it at this thing right here. But he's kind of like, you know, come on, man. You want to see Ezra, right? And he's playing on her emotions. Yep. And Sabine does the thing that we all knew she was going to do from the very beginning. Yep. Because Sabine has zero control. There's a reason she's the absolute worst candidate ever to become a Jedi. It's not just her force sensitivity sucks. It's also she is a Mandalorian. She has no control of her emotions, which is kind of like step one of this whole Jedi experience. Hands him the map. And Shin immediately starts force choking her. A little bit bitter. He got up from her concussion daze, her concussion fog, and starts choking her. And then Balin says, yo, chill. Balin commands her stop. Because unlike her former master, yeah. I keep my word. And I was like, one last thing. He already knocked her off the cliff. He's still got to shovel dirt on her grave, man. Yeah, man. Loving Balin, man. But I like that. Because not only did he get her to do what he wanted he manipulated the hell out of her he is essentially keeping her like a pet maybe i can convert her maybe she'll be useful to me down the line yeah. it's very devious and tactical of balin to bring in sabine like this and endear himself to her a little bit yeah if he actually takes her to ezra that moment there has to go a long way with sabine right yeah because taking her to ezra is transactional yeah you give me the map i'll take you to your friend but this he's sticking up for her in essence mm -hmm. against his own minion his own apprentice and for someone like sabine who feels like Ahsoka doesn't show affection and doesn't stick up for her. Yep. That's a very interesting thing. And then, of course, he destroys the map by lightsabering the hell out of it. Which means that the blaster shot wouldn't have done a goddamn thing. No. Which, again, proves that Balin... Because he could have been like, go ahead and shoot it. I don't give a shit. He could have let her shoot it. He could have forced yep. it out of her hand. He could have done a lot of things. But no, he used his mind games. Pimp and pimp and pimp. Also, this whole episode, to me, classic step in the hero's journey for Sabine here, right? If you think of Sabine as the secondary main character or right. the one who's going through the most flux and change, she has to fail here. She has to fail not only in combat, she has to fail her master. And she has to fail emotionally. Yes. She has to be emotionally weak. She has to be emotionally compromised. So all of this is setting up for a big Sabine payoff down the line. And I would like everybody to retract their trashing of Natasha Lou Bordizo. I thought she did really good in this episode. I agree. I agree. I think she did as well. She was excellent. Hera and the X-Wings show up. Just in time, not. And Hera, God bless you. Now, the woman who plays Hera is 
getting on my nerves, man. I don't know. I always felt like Hera was the adult in the room in Rebels, you know? Yeah. She always had the best ideas. She was always leveled and not emotional. Well, isn't that combat experience? Because we haven't really seen her in combat. She's had more experience since then. She was a captain in Rebels. She's a general now. So the whole like, hey, you can't do that. Watch me. It's almost immature. That's not Hera. Hera's the grown up in the room and they see this huge thing with massive energy readings and her big idea is let's get in its way. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? <laughs> you know what? Giannis is barreling down the lane. Let's take a charge. Not even take a charge. I'm good in his way. I'm going to like stop dribbles. <laughs> it's not that easy, right? And so they get in the way and Morgan looks at him. What should we do? And they're like, just keep going. It's like, we got the coordinates. Let's go. And I said, oh shit, is Morgan Elsbeth going to have to hold the maneuver somebody here? I'm assuming it didn't happen because it's a big ring. Yes. It's empty in the middle. So yeah. it's not a physical hold maneuver where there's an actual ship going through you, but there still is an incredible energy buildup in that ring. And that fries the shit out of all the ships in there some of them are knocked aside but some of those x-wings yeah they're done they're donezo and so bing bang boom also we should note that the whole episode is a callback to the end of a new hope where the death star is getting in position oh yeah and we have the loading screen display and this time it's the map loading into the navigational computers but yes, now that they've got everything set up, they blast off, leaving everybody behind but Sabine. Before it actually happens, though, Jason Sandula says, I've got a bad feeling. Oh, almost a callback. Almost a callback to I've got a bad feeling about this, which is a Star Wars staple. But also, Maze, some people are speculating that this is proof that Jason Sandula is Force-sensitive. Did we need proof? Of course he is. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Not necessarily. It skips a generation sometimes. Okay, whatever, man. When you say skip a generation, you're talking about Ray? Ray's dad, yeah. All right, yeah. Every once in a while, you get a dud, I suppose. But this wasn't exactly a revelation to me. It's like, yeah, of course. Brad Palpatine didn't have the horse. <laughs> <laughs> His father was so disappointed in him. <laughs> Can't believe I cloned you. Yeah, you just had a desk job like a bitch. All right, so they made the jump. So that means for sure next episode, we're going to the other galaxy. We're going to Paradia. Excited for that. But it's not over, I mean. No, it's not. There's one last scene as Ahsoka is lying on some translucent type of ground or floor. Really beautiful transition from an overhead shot of the cliff turning into the waves, turning into the semi-rippling water-like platform. Walkway. It's like a catwalk that Ahsoka is lying on. And where are we, I mean, Because a uh, couple people out there being like, is she dead? Is this heaven? No, oh, it's the world between worlds. WBW. Man. And I won't lie, Maze. Every hair on my body went a 10 hut. I was like, oh, shit. I don't know. I won't say I gave up hope on it, but at that point of the episode, I thought, did she fall on the beach below? Mm -hmm. I knew she wasn't dead, but I was just like, where is she? Yeah. So for her to be there, it was just like, whoa. And as I'm trying to process, how'd she get there? Like, is there a portal? Did she teleport? Da -da? We hear the voice say, hello, Snips. And it's none other than Anakin Skywalker. My goat, Hayden Christensen, is back. Yeah. And Maze, I don't know what your note was. My note was, he 
he looks like Michael Jackson <laughs> because the CGI de aging <laughs> did him no favors. I didn't think it was that bad, man. It was awful. I thought it was worse than Obi Wan. He looks like Michael Jackson. That's hilarious. <laughs> Would rather have him just look old, man. So before we dive into this, I do want to bring on the man himself to talk about the world between worlds, Dave Filoni. We've got a clip here because we don't know a lot. We've been to it in Rebels. Ezra goes there, but the main thing is that. Filoni has not been trying to be explicit about what this is. So this is going to be probably the most time we spend in this place and the best understanding that we get. So let's hear it from Dave himself. The world between worlds then, you know, it's not about time travel. It's really not about time travel at all. It's just about a place where everything comes together and you hear different things echoing throughout time. This is our most desperate hour. Because it's all fluid in that moment, in that place. It's not this material thing that's linear. Everything is occurring all the time. And Ezra is more in tune with the things that are directly related to him, like when he was on Malachor and saw Ahsoka, like when he saw Kanan die. These things reverberate to him and he understands them more. The other voices he doesn't even understand. He doesn't know those people. Hello? Master Yoda? Obi-Wan? They're just like the wind moving and he recognizes some like Obi-Wan and Yoda, but he doesn't understand the context of anything that's going on. I don't know how real it actually is. I don't want to define that for people anyway, but it's not this place of gateways and doorways that you just go in and out of. Now Ezra can pull Ahsoka into that world. But remember, she's smart enough to know that she can't leave that world through his door. She'll be destroying the natural balance and order of things. She has to go back from where she came. It's the same with Kanan. I can reach him. Ezra, Kanan gave his life so that you could live. When you understand that, if he pulls him out of that world, he, he's got to put him back in a world where everybody's dead. And then you know that, wait, Ezra couldn't have even been in that world then. And so everything will break and will cause chaos and will cause destruction. So it's not this system of doorways, like you're on an elevator, getting off on different floors in different times. It's more like what the wolf tells Ezra. It's more about knowledge. Knowledge that you can use for your benefits of good or knowledge that will lead to destruction. That's what it's about. But it, it's not my intention that it be this ability to walk through into somebody else's world. We have to keep being dedicated to being original and creative and sometimes we take chances and sometimes we do weird things like create Bendu or you know mysterious wolves and but I think as long as you work off the principles of the force that George set up that it, it doesn't change it and you don't erode what makes Star Wars special. That's part for the course because even when it was in Rebels we still didn't understand. I think I've told this story before. Before season four of Rebels I went to Star Wars Celebration and the Rebels panel, Filoni came out on stage and he was wearing a t-shirt that said Ahsoka lives, question mark. And then they showed us the trailer for the upcoming season four, of course, with no mention of Ahsoka or anything like that. And then when the lights came back on, the shirt that he had was the same shirt and it says Ahsoka lives, but the question mark was gone. And it was like, ah! that was one of those moments. It's a great 
feeling to be in the auditorium for stuff like that when it happens. But Maze, we didn't mention the very, very last thing that happens that episode, which is screen goes to black and we get the first notes of the Imperial March. Yeah. Playing. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. And I'm like, wait a second. What's happening here? Not all roses mm-hmm. and champagne here. This reunion. So, okay. Couple questions. Why and how is our man Hayden here? Because he's in his outfit that puts it roughly beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Well, this is him as Ahsoka would remember him. It wouldn't be Anakin as an annoying little child. It wouldn't be old Anakin post-redemption by Luke. This is Anakin as she remembers him, which lets me know I don't think he's real. Okay, so you don't think he's real. You think this is like a force ghost? Either a force ghost or even like a premonition. Okay, so what I like is that Anakin did what Ezra did in the Rebels episode, which is Anakin is in the world between worlds, and he plucked Ahsoka through a portal. Yep. So that would mean that Anakin entered this world between worlds at some point late in Clone Wars, early in the timeline there. And that will have to be addressed in the conversation they have, hopefully almost immediately, right? Is where is he coming from? Because will she talk about him becoming Vader? Like all of these things are in play and it's very interesting the direction they choose to go. I guess if Anakin had access to the world between worlds, you can think of a couple of other things he may want. You know, it's like, hey, do you want to stop Hitler? <laughs> you want to do that before you like save your Padawan from death the third time? Because remember, you killed her one time. It's like that, I guess. Yeah, but I think trying to figure out if he's dead or not, you know, any way you do it is complicated. I think it is an elegant way to bring him in, though, and to have these scenes that we're going to get. I think that it's better than a Force Ghost apparition or a flashback. I do like the use of the World Between Worlds for this device, but I'm very curious to see what happens. The one thing that I'm fairly certain is going to happen based on this experience is that she will come out in the white robes, Ahsoka the White. You're here for the Gandalf. It's happening, man. She fell, you know, like Gandalf does in the bridge in Moria. He falls and he reemerges later in the white robes and everybody's going to be pretty confused when she comes back. So that's what I think is definitely going to happen. But based on that Filoni clip, it does not seem like this will be what we talked about last week and you used it in the context of Ezra, a way to get to the other galaxy. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it could be. I get what he's saying, but I don't know. It's tough, man. It's tough. So I'll ask you broadly, do you think that Ahsoka, Hera, whoever else is left behind from the Eye of Scions jump, do you think they're actually going to go to the other galaxy and figure it out somehow? Or do you think that everybody else is going to come back? I think they're going to come back. Hera for sure is not going to be able to go. I think Ahsoka still gets there, but it's going to be too late. Thrawn is coming back. We know that. Yeah. And maybe that's a good thing, right? Is that we we don't know. We don't know what we don't know, right? Hey, we're sitting here. We're trying to come up with fan theories and stuff. But the reality is we don't know where this is going. And maybe that's a good thing that we don't know so that we can get this fun, so to speak. What we do know is that next week is the Filoni episode. Yes. And not only 
is the runtime going to be significantly longer than the last two? They're also screening it in movie theaters, I mean. Are they? Yeah, you can go see episode five. They're calling it like a mid-season event. You can go see it in a theater, which is the ultimate sign that they are placing all of their chips in the center of the table for this next week. This is pivotal to what the end game is, which is the Star Wars end game movie, so to speak, that's coming. Did Dan Levitar just come in to ask that question? Yeah, what's the end game, Filoni? And I think that's about all we have today. Maze, do you have anything else? No, I just cannot wait for Hayden Christensen to put on the tiny fedora with the white bands and tell Ahsoka, we're taking snips. And then he shoots the Death Star with a finger gun. Till next time, Faith, I lost that a long time ago. Friends, a lot has changed over the years, personally and across our airwaves. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. You know, for me personally, I recently bought a few six-packs of Miller Lite for my housewarming party. Because that's one thing that's changed for me. I moved into a new house, and I brought some friends over, and we enjoyed the best light beer. Because Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer.